Hi, I'm Rob Scott from UC Today and welcome to today's panel discussion. Today we'll be discussing Cisco WebEx versus Microsoft Teams versus a Zoom style strategy for meetings. So I'm joined by three collaboration experts, Tom Abuthnot of Modality Systems. I've got Jonathan George of Adopt and I've got Graham Walsh of Crestron. So our discussion today will explore the following questions and hopefully provide technology buyers from end customer organizations are steering the right direction. So we'll be covering things like how does an IT leader decide which paths to take for enterprise collaboration? Why is a Zoom style approach in the meeting room so popular right now? And how important is total cost of ownership when deciding on your organization's collaboration strategy? And also how do you procure an enterprise meetings and collaboration solution? So is it an AV provider, is it an IT provider, UC provider, etc. So let's get started. First of all, we're going to just do a quick round of introductions. So, Jonathan, would you mind just starting with uh, a quick bio? Yeah, sure. So, I'm uh, I'm Jonathan George. Um, I'm currently the digital collaboration lead at Adopt. We are a uh, a Cisco partner, um, largely focused though around the whole piece around di driving digital and workplace transformation uh, and the adoption uh, of the um, virtual services, uh, meeting services. Um, so uh, really pleased to be here today and looking forward to the discussion. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, hey everybody, Tom Abuthnot. I'm Principal Solutions Architect at Modality Systems uh, and I spend all my time focused on Microsoft collaboration, so particularly Microsoft Teams. Uh, and I also do some product ownership around usage reporting in Modality. Great, thanks, and Graham? Uh, hi all, uh, Graham Walsh, so I work for Crestron and I'm the Enterprise UC Technical Director for EMEA. Uh, so I look after Microsoft Teams and Zoom, um, our room systems for these solutions. And um, prior to that, working at Pexit for Cloud Video Interop, so in the meeting room space for a long time. Great stuff. So we've got a really great panel here, uh, coming from different perspectives as well. So why don't we get started? Tom, I'd like to kind of throw the first question at you if possible. So you know, how does an IT leader decide which path to take for enterprise collaboration nowadays? Yeah, so I think the, the, the first thing to consider is defining what you're going to market for. So this webinar is all around meetings and the meeting room experience and virtual meetings. Are you going to market just to solve that point problem or are you going to market to make your entire business more collaborative? Like, Because there's, there's these stacks of products and some of them are wider and some of them are narrower. So what are you going out to buy and how does that tie into your overall digital transformation or any other buzzwordy way you want to put it? How does it overall fit into your idea of how you're going to use technology to enable your business? So I think that's always the question for me. What's the overall strategy and how does meetings fit into the overall strategy? Yeah, I suppose we've got to define what types of meetings there are as well. Um, so, I mean, Jonathan, what would you say around types of meetings? Because you know, it's more than just uh, a meeting room nowadays. Yeah, and, and I would agree with, with Tom there that I think that the, you know, the, the worst thing you, I think a CIO could do is start with a whole set of function feature list and go down and tick, you know, I need something that does this or does this and this and this. It's very much about looking at, okay, what is it you're trying to achieve? What outcome are you trying to drive? What are you trying to do in terms of digitizing the workforce or that workforce experience? 
and then really looking at the personas and use cases of, of the, the, your users, really, in terms of, of what they're trying to do. So that could be physical in terms of physical meeting space and what types of meeting space. You know, the buzzword in the industry is huddle rooms. Everyone's talking about huddle rooms, you know, and the worst thing I think, uh, you know, a CIO or anybody can do is go, oh, huddle rooms. We need some huddle rooms. Let's put some huddle rooms in without actually thinking about, Okay, is that going to suit the culture of my organization? Is that going to be utilized? Are we going to have, have we got the right physical space to do that? Do we need to redesign the buildings? Um, and then the, you know, obviously it's, it's a marriage of both the physical and virtual environment because we can't all be in the same place at the same time um, in the same physical office. So this technology is all about driving that virtual experience. It's looking at the personas and use cases of that and not forgetting you know, we, we all, all of us here, you know, live and breathe of the, the video technology and all the rest of it, but not forgetting that, you know, there's going to be some road warriors out there who potentially are going to be in the back of a taxi, you know, with a mobile phone that might just get a 3G signal. You know, don't tell them they've got to use an app or anything else. They just need to get into the call audio only. How do, you know, how do we, how do we drive that? So I think it's a, you know, you've got to look at that, that single meeting experience across all of those modalities no pun intended, Tom, um, with, with uh, you know, with, with how people are using the technology. Super. Graham, how about you? It's actually a funny point, going back to what Jonathan mentioned there, you know, a video meeting from the back of a taxi. I remember when I worked at Polycom 10 years ago, that was the concept back then. And it, we still struggle today to get a good signal in a, in a back of a taxi. And, you know, have you got the right device, except to do that. But going back to the original question, uh, you know, does the CIO, CIO decide? Is it facilities? Who owns that physical room space? So we're looking at, you know, physical versus virtual. Who's owning the physical space? It may not be the CIO or, you know, they might own it from when it's plugged into the network. Uh, and I've seen this in many organizations where you may have a video collaboration team and they're driving it and not the CIO because that's their task. Yes, they maybe report into them ultimately, but their whole goal is, is you know, meeting room spaces. and they're going on whatever tangent they want to go, what fits their agenda, not what the, maybe the, the rest of the company is doing in, in enterprise collaboration with everything else. So there is a disconnect actually happening. Um, and you know, ultimately, this guy over here doing his own thing has his own budget. So in a way, no one can stop him. He's got the purse, he pays the bills. Um, and it can be quite challenging, especially in the larger enterprises. You know, I'm talking 100,000 plus seats because they do their own thing. Um, and then that, you know, confuses users. They don't know what to do, what tools. And, you know, does that break the physical and virtual meeting barrier then? Because, yeah, great, we can all work in a physical meeting room, but how do you talk to us remotely like we are today? Um, and that's where interoperability comes in as well, uh, which is a big thing. If you're going to do one platform, you've got to make sure it talks for everyone. Yeah, I think that's the elephant in the room, isn't it? Always interoperability. So. You know, let's move on to the next one then that uh, might just kind of uncover some of those challenges uh, for, as you said, not just CIOs, but ultimately, you know, technology decision makers or line of business managers or leaders that are, you know, ultimately in these decision making processes. But, you know, we, we, when you look at the enterprise, Cisco has a wealth of not just experience, but, you know, land within the enterprise. Uh, it owns the, the routers, the switching. When you look at Microsoft, it's, you know, it owns the desktop, the OS, the applications, you know, and, and all of a sudden we're also seeing, you know, this kind of new style collaboration platform come through from the likes of Zoom and Pexip and BlueJeans and others. Mm. And we're seeing that kind of 
almost kind of spill over into the world of UC more and more and more. So it, you know, it's a very interesting landscape to watch from my perspective, from a news perspective. But um, you know, I can't imagine the uh, decision-making process. You know, uh, challenges that, that are incurred when you look at the different approaches to take. So the first question I'd like to maybe put this to Jonathan. Um, you know, when you're looking at uh, you know different approaches, you know, when you're trying to select the right vendor for your collaboration, you know, how do you how do you go about that? Again, I think that's back to the, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve? I mean, you know, we're, we're here today representing, you know, Cisco, Microsoft and, and Zoom. And, you know, obviously there are other players out there in the marketplace, right? All of those products are, are good products, right? If they weren't, they wouldn't exist today, right? So they all have their their place. You know, I think the worst thing you could do as a as an enterprise is that you buy all three, you know, and then you go, yeah, well, we've got all the bases covered. Let's, you know, we'll have a bit of Microsoft Teams, we'll have a bit of Cisco WebEx, we'll have a bit of Zoom, and we'll let the users decide, you know, what they want to use depending on what they want to do or depending on which room they go in and which technology that, that they're using. You know, I think we've got to think about what the user experience is that you're you're trying to drive. And remember that most users are not like us, not the, the, the techies that understand this stuff. They don't care whether it's Microsoft or Cisco or Zoom or whoever it is. They've just come into work to get their job done. And if that technology gets in the way or it can't be used or it's difficult to use, then they're probably not going to use it. And I think with all of these, you know, collaborative technology is, a, is an interesting um, sort of uh, case where we, where we have to, we're relying on the discretionary effort of the user to use this technology, right? Nobody has to use video conferencing. Nobody has to use a virtual meeting experience. They're gonna do it because it makes their life easier, simpler, better, whatever, that you know, the value is that they're, they're trying to do. So the technology in itself has to, has to get out of the way. Um, so I think it, it, you know, it's really back to, to looking at at what you're trying to do and whilst fitting that into you know graham mentioned the 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 who owns the the capability you know i think there are various stakeholders that approach this from various through various different lenses and the trick is actually getting you know some commonality across all of those that says okay how do we best deliver that to to the users to enable them to they don't care which technology it is but how do we enable them to get their job done in a faster quicker simpler easier way Zoom's grown phenomenally quick, hasn't it, over the last few years, and we've seen it, you know, re really punching, you know, above its weight in terms of, uh, you know, numbers, data active users, and that kind of thing. And how have they done that? I mean, is is that through just a simple UX? It's just been perfectly easy to use, or, you know, what's your perception of of, of that breakthrough brand? Um, so I think yeah, ease of use. It sort of just works. Um, to sign up, you know, free 40 minute, you know, meetings, you know, it gives people that taste that they you know, haven't got to do any enterprise configuration. But then that leads to another question of where's the security around it? You know, where's your data being stored? Where's your data being transmitted? Um, you know, then you go to the, you know, chief security officer, they, they will question that. But then again, let's look at HR persona. They just want to do a remote interview and they just want the user to work. You know, if you go back to the old days, we probably use Skype, you know, for consumer. That's what a lot of enterprises or people were doing on the side because corporate IT wouldn't allow them to do maybe external calls. So the likes of BlueJeans and Zoom, et cetera, got that because, you know, you got your credit card out and you needed a, an hour meeting, you just signed it up and expensed it. 
so for me, I think personally, that's you know, I think that's been a, a great success for them is having that um, you know free trial, and then you can expand. You know, it, and they even mention it in their earnings calls. You know, it's always about the land and expand. Let's get it in the door, and then let's expand it. Whereas if you look at a WebEx or a, a Microsoft Teams solution, you know, it's a lot more thought goes around it because there is a lot more things around it. You know, collaboration-wise, whether it's persistent chat and everything else, and then you look at all the other Office 365 stuff, then it's a bigger decision. It's not someone who's going to make a credit card decision. Um, and, you know, I think that's been their approach is let's get the low-hanging fruit. Get the people who are frustrated with IT. I remember a, a report done a while back, I think it was by NetApp, and they said the corporate IT department is 18 months behind the consumer. You know, we've all got, you know, m most modern handsets and everything else compared to what your BlackBerry is at work. Um, and that's why they're frustrated because they're, they're like, hey, I can do this at home. Why can't I do it? You know, I speak to my auntie in Australia. Why can't I do it in the office? And that's why I think you know, this bring your own platform has you know succeeded very well. And not just in video meetings; it's, it's in other areas like project management tools and everything else as well. And as you say, you go into an organisation and you look at the pillars of technologies that have in each section, and it's it's I would say it's a mess. Um, it's gone out of control. And again, I think that's what people are trying to do now and say, okay, can WebEx fit everything, or can Teams fit everything? Or can it do 90% and then we'll bring in the other little nuggets and we need it. Um, you know, we need a specialist to do tool to do HR maybe. So I think that's how, you know, organizations and CIOs are looking at now. So it's gone viral, it's gone everywhere. Let's narrow it back down into a corporate standard. Um, and, you know, the corporate IT have to run now. Rather than walk or drag their heels, they're having to run as well. Yeah, it's interesting. They're almost trying to take back control after it's been so easy to consume for such a long time. So, oh, interesting. So, Tom, from your perspective, you work with a lot of large enterprises, thousand users plus. I mean, do, do you see that Zoom style approach being adopted um, or is it always a Microsoft or Cisco decision? What, what, what's your perspective? Yeah, I would kind of echo what some of what Graham says. I think you've got to give Zoom a lot of credit for breaking into these big customers. Like if you wrote this on paper five years ago, it's either Cisco or Microsoft. They're the two big players that they have the dominant already landmass in those customers. They have the account managers, they have a relationship. And Zoom stepped up and just gave a really good service. 40 minutes free, solve your own problem. And, and one of the challenges that's really frustrating on the more enterprise scale customers is you see enterprise IT, they'll lock down meeting recording, they'll they'll put low rate video because they're worried about bandwidth, they'll, they'll turn off all the clever features, they'll turn off the giffies, they turn off everything that users like, and then the users turn to the, the freemium model on the internet with their credit card to solve their own problems. So, but often there's very good reasons why enterprise IT is doing some of those things and Zoom is not compliant with their compliance recording or it's not giving them the, the security levels they need, but often the users win. The same thing, the Apple iPhone thing is a perfect example. Like BlackBerry did more at first than iPhone, but people like the iPhone. Often the users, the business users that are actually doing the business and making the money have the ultimate say. So I think in enterprise IT, we're seeing that friction. I think Zoom has done the market good in that it's given everybody a bit of a kick about cloud first and modern codecs and modern experience and great, great user experience. I think Zoom and Microsoft, sorry, Microsoft and Cisco are both having stepped their game up. Um, but there's always that tension between Zoom will just do things, give the user the experience, not worry about the compliance and the, the minor details of all that. Whereas Microsoft and Cisco will be much more cognizant of their total enterprise that they need to hit everybody's compliance and, and security requirements. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one, which kind of leads me nicely on to the next question around cost of ownership. And I think this kind of starts from, you know, what kind of strategy are you going to adopt? Is it a full stack of, you know, full stack of approach where it's full Cisco end to end? Or is it, you know, Microsoft have taken a slightly different approach. So they're really, you know, their core is the software and everything on, on the outside is, is maybe from a third party. And, and maybe it, when you look at Zoom, it, it's very similar to Microsoft in a way, but, you know, really uh, will interrupt with, with most other devices and platforms and that kind of thing. So that, that opens up a whole world of, uh, you know, complexity, I imagine, and compliance challenges. So, you know, over to Graham on this one, first of all, let's look at, um, you know, that kind of Zoom style open stack approach. Uh, you know, total cost of ownership, how does that play into that conversation? Well, I think, again, maybe going back to the ownership of uh, the meeting, let's call it the physical spaces where you either have the huddle room or the, you know, the six, eight, 10, 12 piece uh, person boardroom, meeting room. Um, are people trying to get to a smart meeting uh, or a smart building and know the utilization of there? Now, if they're going to put in a, you know, a high quality Cisco or Poly or, you know, whatever other sort of, uh, Technology that has a lots of AI capabilities and a consensually report. If someone's going to go and get a credit card and put in their own IT or ask their AV vendor to do a Zoom room, you've just broken that whole, um, you know, what you're trying to get to. And you know, <clears throat> you look at Paris, London, New York, office space is at a premium and it costs a lot. So a lot of people are trying to downsize and be virtual. So you want to know what you're doing in those meeting rooms. So really, you want to you know understand what you're putting in there because it costs a lot. You know, they're not cheap investments, but the good thing is the likes of Zoom have driven the cost of meeting rooms down as well. So wind back 10, 15 years, a meeting room would cost you know, $20,000, $30,000 in hardware. Now it's $5,000 and I have people saying to me, it costs more to install it than it does to buy it. So again, the, the ownership of it, that's one thing. But then as you mentioned, the total cost of ownership, how much does it take to run, security update, patching, um, you know, you want to change the display to one to two screens. Can the you know physical machine do that? You know, was it put in for a sole purpose? And this is why you need to have a structured approach to you know all your meeting rooms, and not just as I would say just throw in anything that will work. Um, because you know, ultimately, there's someone at the top of the food chain saying, "Look, we've got 100 meeting rooms. We need to make them all work. They're costing us a lot of money. Let's make them consistent." Uh, and I think they back to there, as we'll always come back to, is interoperability. Um, and I think the one good thing that you know was announced at um, Microsoft Ignite last month is you know Cisco working with Microsoft and uh, Zoom working with Microsoft. So this goes back to my 90% use case. Hey, we're all Teams internally, or we're all WebEx internally, or we're all Zoom. But we can also talk to that odd meeting, you know, that once a week on HR that's on the Zoom platform. So very clever from all vendors, I think to collaborate like this. And I think that will help the decision-making process of what's been put in the meeting room because interoperability is no longer difficult, should we say? <laughs> I've, known, I've known it for many years, it's not difficult. It's just making that choice to deploy it. And now that the Cisco, Microsoft, or Zoom have all said, hey, ring, 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 let's ring the bell. We're all gonna be interoperable. Uh, I think it's gonna make it a lot easier for that user. As I think you mentioned earlier, users don't care. They wanna walk in the room and hit a button, join the meeting. Uh, take the technology away, and they don't know if it's Zoom, WebEx, Teams, GoToMeeting, whatever it might be. It's just I'm in the meeting room, I hit dial, and that's you know that's what it's got to be for it's easy to use. Because um, yeah, we're not all tech savvy like ourselves. There's a lot of people who are um, 
afraid of technology, and I've heard this from even, I would call it the younger generation, you know, people coming into the workplace. Some of them are afraid of video. You know, we all think they're all doing Snapchat every two minutes all the day, but actually some of them aren't. And some of them are actually afraid of video still, um, which is interesting because you would have thought they'd be on it all the time, they're gaming or doing whatever else, but they're afraid of doing video calls. They're not used to it. You know, they're in their own bubble and, and used to what they're doing, maybe texting a lot, but coming to do video is alien to them, which I quite, I, I, I find uh, quite odd actually. Mm. Well, we mustn't forget, is it 70% of, of, you know, calls or meetings are internal? Is that, is that fair to say? Is that a stat that I've heard or just a terrible rumour? Sounds plausible, even higher in big enterprise. They spend so much time talking to themselves. Yeah, so like. The meetings about meetings. Yeah, yeah. So that internal strategy really set first, I mean. Hmm. Okay, so Jonathan, come from a Cisco perspective then. Tell me, you know, total cost of ownership. What does that look like from a Cisco perspective? So, I mean, back, it was interesting listening to, to, to Graham talking there, you know, again, we're, we all live around, you know, this stuff for a long time. You know, Cisco had this phrase about, you know, this is the year video becomes pervasive, right? And, and you know, I think they were saying it for the last 20 years, right, in terms of, of you know, video. This is the year that everybody's going to turn on video. Yeah, those of us that use it and we use it all the time, you know, you, you, can't, you can't beat the experience. Whatever the technology is, having a having a, a discussion on video is going to is going to be more engaging and and hopefully therefore more productive rather than than sitting there you know trying to listen to somebody on the remote end of some audio only conference that you can't see or hear or whatever so i think this you know this this total cost of ownership again comes back to this whole value proposition that you're trying to do and, and if you're you know it's about driving value to the business it's just, it's like you can put the best technology in the world and i'm sure we've all been in you know, buildings and customers that have spent fortunes kitting out video rooms with, with expensive equipment and they haven't addressed the issue about the users actually using it and educating them on, on, on how to and why they go there. And, and to the point that, you know, you'll probably end up with people going in there and then picking out their, their iPhone and putting it on the table in the middle and putting it on speakerphone because they can't find, you know, and I, I would lovingly refer to them as, as, as the beardy weirdy, the one guy in the organization, you know, who can, can go down and, and basically you know manage to spring this stuff into life and those 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 days are changing graham touched on this whole space utilization thing you know why you know if you've got a meeting room that's designed for 10 people and yet you look at it and find that, that there's only ever one person in that in that room a that room's booked so there's no room for any of the nine other people that that room can accommodate it would it be better to split that you know that room up into three huddle spaces or whatever so the that that tco i think you know you've 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 got to look at it across the whole thing. We touched on the whole management and security and, and those elements as well. You know, it's not just you can't just look at it as your original purchase or your license cost. What's the ongoing support and maintenance cost of that? Because it's great if all this stuff works on day one and you put it in and it's all shiny and new and you've got, you know, like, a, and I won't pick on a particular competitor, but you've got, an, you know, an iPad in the room that controls all the meeting experience. You guess what? In some companies, you probably leave that iPad on the table. You'll come back 24 hours later and that iPad's gone somewhere. Who knows where? Yeah, oh, exactly. So, or, or, you know, it's prompting for the latest iOS update or whatever it is, right? So, so you have to look at it, I think, across all the elements of that, not just the experience, but the use, the maintenance, the ongoing support of it, you know, how does it, and we, you know, we talk a lot about IT and the business as two separate things. It's IT and the business actually working together to deliver this, this solution, right? It has to solve 
all of the tick all the boxes for security compliance for IT and the users and that's a really difficult thing to do and as we've said you know users are smart smart people if corporate IT aren't providing me the tools that I need to do my job I'm going to go and look on an app store and I'm going to probably find an app that does it and then you've got the whole shadow IT issue and then all of the issues that that, that, that come along with that yeah so over, you, over to you Tom I mean from, from Microsoft's perspective I mean Talk to me about TCO, I mean, because it's a very different approach to Cisco's, um, maybe similar to kind of that third-party approach that, that Graham talked about, but tell us what you think. Yeah, so, so I mean, the first thing is not many enterprises properly on paper calculate the total costs or the TCO. Like, they talk a big game about it, but, like, is there an honest appreciation of the operational cost, the support cost, the patching cost, the deployment cost, the actual kit cost. So quite often we see comparisons done where it's the sticker price of the room. As Graham said, it might cost more to install the room than to buy the room. Um, the other thing that we see a lot of in big enterprise is lavish spending on in-room and scrimping on remote headsets, remote PCs, like like, and it's really frustrating in massive orgs. If you do the maths on paper of how much time people spend in those rooms and how much you're spending on them versus how much you've given the person working remote, who by the way is saving you money because you're not paying for their desk space in the city, um, like like I won't give give them a hundred and twenty pound headset. So what? What are you even talking about? Like, do you know how much an empty desk costs in London? Um, that is kind of challenging. So, so getting people to appreciate, and it's because of, as Graham said, the budgets are held by different people. The room people have the room budget, the, the end user compute team have their desktop budget, the software team have their Office 365 budget. But getting orgs to sort of step back from their little silos and appreciate what the total strategy is is really important. Um, but, and I would say that operational cost is a big consideration that gets overlooked. So lots of people look at like Office 365 licensing costs and Microsoft are kind of guilty of this they imply that there's nothing else to do like you buy Office 365 and you're done um, they're getting better and better at appreciating that there's an ongoing operational effort user adoption effort support effort even though it's from the cloud and this applies to all cloud vendors there is additional work the customer has to do to get the most out of the platform um, so I think just coming into it with an honest appreciation of what the total costs are Something that's interesting to me is with these third party, you know, like Zoom and Blue Jeans and, and others coming in, is that cost gets lost in the business. So, uh, like, uh, keep me honest, but the, 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 the seat cost of Zoom is often more than the cost of adding PSD and conferencing to Office 365. But because PSD and conferencing adding to Office 365 is somebody else's domain and it's a complicated big decision, they just go and credit card Zoom anyway. They're paying double three times as much but it just doesn't matter because it's done um so yeah it's all about getting people together and understanding where the business is trying to go and the total costs of the solution over over time not just the initial point cost yeah i think that's that's thanks tom that makes perfect sense I mean, the challenge there is getting that collaboration you know in inverted commas going within we're about, yeah when we're talking about collaboration technology the challenge is just getting the people together to collaborate it's ironic isn't it yeah. Open platforms, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so finally, um, I thought it was a, it'd be an interesting question, you know, to answer, you know, for our, our viewers, uh, this panel session really talking about, you know, actually where do we procure this from? Because I've seen over the years, you know, you've got AV providers, you've got IT providers, you've got UC providers now offering, you know, collaboration, and you've got system integrators. You know, how do you or where do you go to? you know, procure these these solutions if you're an IT leader? 
So, who would like um, to take that one? Graham? I'll, I'll take that first then. So if you look at, let's say the, let's call them the SMB market, you know, Microsoft has set themselves up for Direct, WebEx and Zoom, BlueJeans and others. You can all put your credit card down and get them. Um, and, you know, if you want the enterprise license, you know, you get the call us details number and you, you know, you get up there. So it makes it easy to start off, should we say, and then you'll get probably hounded by an account manager. Oh, I see you're using our service and you can see that 30 other people in your org with the same domain are using it. Why don't you have an enterprise license? Um, and then that obviously escalates and moves around the business. Who's going to own it? Um, but, you know, traditionally, a lot of people go back to who owns the rooms. Is it facilities? They'll engage with a, you know, an AV contractor maybe or, you know, an AV specialist because there may be some, you know, acoustic treatment in the room and everything else. What we're seeing more and more of, or what I'm seeing is there's a lot more UC stroke SI as, you know, top-down decision. So, we're, you know, we're going to get our Microsoft license or our Cisco license from X or Y. Uh, we want to let them sort the rooms out, should we say, and sort out the virtual technologies. But then what we'll find a lot of the times is they don't have people to go and hang screens on the wall or install codecs and, or compute. They'll outsource that to an AV provider anyway. So what I'm seeing is a lot of the, the, the larger organizations or the SIs are scooping up a lot of contracts because they're saying, hey, we can do everything. But ultimately, they're going to sub everything out um, and, and let others do it who are specialists, which you know, is obviously uh, wise. And someone said, oh, oh, we're not making money on the hardware. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, the hardware kits come right down. It's all about the services. Um, and that's where, you know, it always has been. There's a lot of money in it on professional services for, you know, the, these partners and resellers and SIs. Um, hardware kits, you know, nothing. Licenses, there's hardly anything on because Zoom is, uh, you know, a lot of it is direct. So, yeah, it's more the, the SI and UC provider, I see it. Um, and then I see the sort of license provider. Let's call them the, the you know, people just sell licenses all day for Microsoft, for example. They're now trying to jump on the bandwagon as well, but they have no clue about hardware. So they're trying to go into a space where they're not and not sometimes not bringing in the specialists, which then causes bad projects, bad experience. Mm. Uh, and they sell the wrong solution. And whether it's, you know, uh, Teams or Zoom that I work on, on those sides, they're, they're selling the wrong thing because they just think, oh, it says Zoom on it or it says Teams on it. It must work. Um, but as Tom said, you know, there's a lot more behind it going back to this TCO. Yeah, interesting. I've got a couple minutes left. Um... Jonathan, Tom, would you like to say who would like to maybe comment on that? Go, on, Jonathan. Yeah, so I mean, I think the uh, you know this whole piece around um, you know where you buy it from and how you consume it, whether it's on prem or in the cloud. You know, I mean, Cisco's obviously you know looking at that with that flex licensing and you, know, you, you consume service. It doesn't matter where you where you get it from. I think the the key thing from a, a customer point of view is choose a partner that you trust, right? Choose a partner that is it understands your business and can apply the technology to deliver value to your business and is going to help you achieve those goals. That's you know at the end of the day, if you're just a licensed reseller, I think that your days are numbered, right? In terms of of because I can go and buy it from anywhere or direct. So, um, you know, find somebody that, that's going to deliver value and deliver, you know, help you as a business go forward. That's great. Well, guys, thank you very much. Today you've, uh, you know, answered all my questions perfectly. Uh, thanks, Jonathan, for taking time out. Graham and Tom. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back for another panel session at some, some point, but uh, thanks very much. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone.